Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Praise the Lord. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 4, it says, After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things that must be after. They must be here after. God has given us vantage points of sight. And from where you see God, never forget this, is from where you hear him. From where you see God is from where you hear him. You can only hear from where you see. Now, some people have a misconstrued notion on hearing God. They think that when God speaks, everything spoken should be directly interpreted as has been spoken. But when you read your Bible, you realize that there are many instances where God spoke one thing, but it implied another thing. And it took a certain place of understanding to interpret what the Lord was saying. At one point, we read of a prophet called Daniel. He said that he understood by the books that the deliverance of Israel was for a certain time. But then when he started to calculate the time as he thought, he discovered that it should have happened long ago. So he went into some sort of confusion, asking, God, what have I missed? And an angel appears to him and explains to him that he had done the mathematics wrongly. Sometimes not everything spoken can be understood until you are invited to where you should see right. Until you are invited to a certain place or certain vantage point of vision. That is why I've shared this prophet, Balaam, is summoned by the king Balak and is taken to a mountain. He's told, Look at Israel from this angle. Curse it. And they can't curse it. He says, I cannot curse whom God has blessed. He carries him over to another mountain. And he tells him, look from here. Perhaps you'll curse Israel for me. And again, the man of God looks and says, no, I cannot curse whom God has blessed. Why does Balak move Balaam around? He knows very well that there are points where which, if the prophet sees Israel, Perhaps a curse was inevitable. Praise the Lord Jesus. So there are vantage points and I've spoken about five of them. Today I want to give one of those. And here in the book of Revelation, God reveals to us one of the distinct and I believe primal vantage points for every child of God. The language here is, he had a trumpet talking with him, which said, come up hither and I will show thee things that must be hereafter. Not things that I propose to be, not things that I hope to be, not things that are changeable, things that must be hereafter. 
We're talking about counsel or oracles that must be. Things that must be. There are places where God can take you to show you things. And he says, these ones, if they repent, I can change this. If they change their mind on this, I could change this. And there are places where God can take you and says, this one, it must be. It's like regardless of what humanity does, Jesus must return. Are you following what I'm saying? There are things that you cannot change. The beast must manifest. The son of perdition must come out. It might delay, but consequently it will happen. Are you following me, child of God? So, John the Revelator is told to come up. Why? Because God wants to help this prophet see from above. The vantage point of seeing from above. The Bible tells us in scripture. And I believe it's in Ecclesiastes 9 verses 11. When Solomon was writing, he says, And then I returned and saw under the sun. He says, I returned and saw under the sun. This is a man who returned and saw under the sun. That means he was somewhere. He was not living or functioning from under the sun. He just returned under the sun and so that the rest is not to the swift, neither the battle of the strong, neither yet bread to men which are wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill, but time and chance, he says, happiness to them all. There are principles that govern things under the sun and there are principles that govern things above the sun in the heavenly places. There are things that are expected to be prayed of concerning the earth and there are things that you cannot pray over or of concerning the earth. I'll give you an example. Are there lame men in heaven? Are there blind eyes in heaven? Are there crippled people in heaven? No, they're not sick people. So the fellowship of heavenly beings and the understanding of sickness is different from the fellowship of human beings on the earth and their relationship with disease. When the disciples come to Jesus, they said, teach us to pray. And as he tells them to pray in Matthew, chapter 6, verses 10, he told them to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, listen, in earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done in the earth as it is in heaven. Are you following what I'm saying? Your will be done in the earth as it is in heaven. In other words, whatever is done on the earth, let it carry the bearing and the precision of what has happened already in the heavenlies. When he was talking to Peter, he says, behold, I give you the keys of heaven. Whatsoever you bind on the earth, it shall be bound in heaven. And he says, whatsoever you loosen on the earth, it shall be loosened in heaven. If you read this in the Amplified Version, the Bible says, I've given you keys of the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever, listen, you bind or declare to be improper and unlawful on the earth, listen, must be what is already bound in heaven. And whatever you lose or declare lawful on the earth must be what is already loosed in heaven. In other words, when you are dealing with the keys of heaven, first connect to heavenly counsel and see what is already done and from there come on the earth and establish what has already been done in heaven. But here is the problem. Many of us don't have that vantage experience. We don't even know what it means to function from the heavenly realm coming on the earth. Many of us are from earth to heaven. 
No wonder many people are conscious of visitations. God visited me. The New Testament believer is not designed for visitation. The New Testament believer has been called to encounters of an already indwelling Christ. This is the mystery that was hid from the ages past and now revealed Christ in us, the hope of glory. 2023, if you are born again, Jesus no longer visits men. But because many people don't have that vantage point, they don't have the revelation of that experience, many of them expect visitations. Even in your songs, you hear them, they say, pass me not a gentle savior. Hear my humble cry. You understand? While others are calling, do not pass me by. Because their revelation with Christ begins from where they are and him coming from heaven to come to where they are. If you're living that kind of life, you're living an inferior life. We are not visited anymore. We have encounters of an already indwelling Christ. Somebody shout amen. Shout glory to God. This is the conscience that Paul the apostle had. In Philippians 1.15. He says some indeed preach Christ even as of envy and strife. And some also of goodwill. And some preach, the Bible says, Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bones, but the other of love, knowing that I'm set for the defense of the gospel. What then? He says, notwithstanding, everywhere, whether in pretense or in truth, he said, Christ is what? Preached. And therein do I rejoice and I will rejoice. Paul is saying, there are people who are preaching Christ with envy. They are preaching Christ with contention. They are preaching Christ with jealousy. Some are preaching him incomplete. Some are inexperienced and unskilled. Some are indifferent. Some are envious. Some are contentious. Some are weak. Some are gullible. Some are confused. But he says, I have to zoom out and see them from where God has to see. My vantage point is not from those little contentions. I'm Baptist and Presbyterian and Catholic and Protestant. No, let me zoom out like this and see them from where I'm supposed to see them. Well, at the end of the day, Christ. Who has understood what I just said? When you carry that kind of consciousness, you can never go on radio or television to attack a man speaking Christ. These people you see fighting each other on radio, they're still here. They're still fighting from here. No, don't talk to me. Even me, talk to me. Uh, uh, I'm the one who came first. No, 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 I'm not the one. No, they're still here. They're from the earth. Of the earth. That's carnality. Paul says, zoom out a bit and see the bigger picture. The bigger picture is, is the man speaking Christ? Yes. Either way, Christ is being preached because we are better off a contentious Christ than a place where there's no Christ at all. That's the bigger picture. Somebody shout hallelujah. In the same Philippian, as he's writing to the church, chapter 3, verses 20, he says, for our conversation is what? In heaven, from whence we look. Our conversation is in heaven from whence we look. He's saying, we don't live like some of you who live from the earth toward heaven. We live from the heavenly places, sitting in Christ, far above all principalities and powers. And that's where our conversation begins, from where we look. We, oh, we look from heaven. We don't look from the earth to heaven. We look from heaven to the earth. We see things from above. That is why the Bible says, set your mind on things above. 
set it. Set your vibrations, your frequencies, your energies on things above. You have to set things from where God is. Why do you think it's easy to heal the sick? Because this is a man coming from health to come to the sick. Who is following what I'm saying? Is heaven poor? No. That means even if you're struggling financially, the Bible says, for we know of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. For though he was rich, yet for your sex he became poor, that through his poverty this might redound to your wealth. You might become rich because he took your poverty. Now if Jesus took your poverty for you to become rich, that's your conversation. From heaven you're not poor. Heaven doesn't know you to be poor. You might lack money, you might lack resources, things might not be working as they ought to, but heaven doesn't know you're poor. Now, if you're a man who sees from heaven, you will never see yourself poor because you will see the earth and its fullness as the Lord's. You will see that he has given the earth to the sons of men. You will see that there is no way in life you can be poor. Now, it doesn't mean things will be working as you expect them to. Sometimes things might go off tangent and fail to reconcile with what you think or see or expect. But you refuse to think poor. Why? Because you're not a man of the earth. You're a man from above. Somebody shout hallelujah. Everything you know from above becomes your inheritance and your present confession because you're a man from above. So even if you're sick, you're not coming from sickness to health. I repeat it again. You're coming from health to claim your healing. Are you following what I'm saying? You're coming from strength to claim your strength. You're coming from greatness to claim your greatness. You already are. God anoints who we are in him. That's the place where the anointing flows. Let me give you a simple example for some of you to understand that. Remember Jacob? Huh? The name Jacob means supplanter, a trickster, a thief. You see? He goes to God God has prophesied that he shall be served by his older brother. You remember? But he has a name that cannot allow him to connect to that blessedness. The father is blind. He sends Esau and he tells him, go and cook me meat, venison, the way I love it, that I may bless you. Rebecca, their mother had it. Isn't it? And then when she had it, she speaks to her son, Jacob, it is your time. They cook the meat, give it to the father. He comes in. He does not come in as Jacob. He comes in as Esau. Because he can't come with the name of a trickster, of a supplanter. He, can't, oh, not, he, cannot, come, he cannot come with the name of a trickster or a thief to receive a divine blessing. He can't. Heaven can't release it. Do you understand what I'm saying? So what God does, he says, okay, he comes in the name of Esau to receive the blessing. Look at salvation. 
When the Bible says, come as you are, let me explain this. There is an intermediary. There is a mediator. His name is Christ. Without that mediator, the sinner can't come. That is why the Bible says, your place of salvation is the confession of the Lordship of Jesus. Because like Jacob needed the name of Esau to get blessing. The sinner needs the name of Christ to cover them. Because God blesses who you are. You can't come to God and tell him I am a thief and receive blessing. <laughs> you can't come to God and tell him Father I am broke. When he's inviting you to his throne he says come to the throne boldly. Because it is a throne of grace. It's not inviting you to judgment. It's inviting you to love that you may obtain mercy. Come boldly that you may obtain mercy. If you want to obtain mercy, come boldly. Don't come to me, oh God, I'm, I'm weak, I'm, I'm beggarly, I'm poor. No, he says, I want a boldness with you so that you may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. When you come from a weak perspective, I don't understand you. Jacob needed it. Jacob needed it. He needed the name of Esau. Because the blessing would not cross into the life of a trickster. He receives it. When he receives it, Esau pursues him. He stays running and running all his life. A time comes where he must face himself. And the scriptures tell us, he sends his kids ahead, wives ahead and everything, and then he tarries. A man comes in the night and wrestles with him. He realizes that this man is coming to a certain level of connecting to something only heaven can give. He asks him, what is your name? The man says, I'm Jacob. He says, no, you can't get this as Jacob. You don't get it. You can't connect to this thing as Jacob. You can't come as a trickster. You can't come as a weak man. You can't come as a sick one. You can't come as a beggarly. You can't come as a survivor. You can't come as an orphan. You can't come like that. Your name from today is Israel. For you have power with God and with men. You have prevailed as a priest. He changes his name and then anoints him. When you become a child of God, come as one from above. See, thi see things from above. See things from the finished work of the cross. See things from what God has already done by Christ. Those are men whose conversations are from above. He says, from whence we look. That kind of person, they don't begin their prayer like, Father, I, your daughter, Nambi, I am tired of poverty. You've come wrong. You've come in the wrong picture. You've come in the wrong picture. You've come in the wrong realm. You've come in the wrong narrative. You're putting on the wrong name. Poverty is of the earth. 
You began from your state on the earth to come to pray to me. You came wrong. Go back. Rewind. Come to me right. Do you know what it's like to sleep and you've been in pain, you've been in, you know, you've gone through all this pain in life and then you go in the presence of God and just start to... <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> Hallelujah, glory to God. <laughs> you were wounded for my transgressions. <laughs> you were bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon you by your stripes. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, for divine health. Thank you for divine health. Glory to God. And then you start singing and dancing. That's a man who is from above. some of you, you come like, Father, I'm tired of suffering. Father, please help me. Do this or I die. No. You're living from the earth. You're living from the earth. When you go to God to ask if you have a financial need, don't go with the earthly perspective. The world is run by economies. The root word there, I think it's Latin, it's called economia, meaning the science of luck. So, economic students are studying luck. And then you go to God with a fallen idea, a fallen concept. And then you start asking. Did he not say that he shall supply all your needs according to his riches in your economy? He said he shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ. Do you know why Jews are the richest people in the world? It's Jewish philosophy that money is infinite. It's unlimited. They don't think that it's limited because they don't function under earthly economies. That's why those people are rich. They don't think that money can run out because it's an idea written on paper. As long as the ideas exist, money will be present. <laughs> Are you following what I'm saying? Refuse to be poor. Refuse to plan as a third world citizen. Refuse to plan like a black man. Refuse. Refuse. Refuse to plan as a white man. Plan as a child of Zion. Somebody shout amen. My God shall supply Because heaven has no economics. I'm sorry I'm going to offend some of you. Heaven does not have budgets. It has no planning committee on money. <laughs> Woo! Do you know the scriptures say God 
wants to be lavish with you. God just doesn't want to bless you financially. No, the Bible literally tells us God has intended to be lavish with you. Read 1 Corinthians 2:12. He says, "Now amplified version, we have not received the spirit that belongs to this world. But the Holy Spirit, who is from God, given to us, listen, that we might realize and comprehend and appreciate the gifts, listen, of divine favor and blessing so freely and lavishly bestowed on us by God. Do you know what that means? When God gave you everything on your life that was given by God, he intended to give you lavishly. God doesn't want to just give you enough. He wants to spoil you so that you walk on the road and say, "Ah, labai katonda chea yonona." Let us look at the one God spoiled. Para de gazombra de gatalako. May you enter the lavish graces of the Holy Spirit. May God open things to you lavishly. If it's revelation or insight, it will come lavish. If it's prophetic understanding, it will come... If it is wealth, it will come lavish. God doesn't want to give you in doses. The Bible says, he that speaketh the word of God, to him the Lord giveth an anointing without measure. God doesn't want to give you in pieces. He wants to give you overflow. More than you are able to take. Exceedingly, abundantly, above that which you dare to ask or think according to the working power that worketh in What God has given you by the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, is beyond your prayers. No, read it. It's beyond your desires. Exceedingly. Read the Amplified Version. He says, now to him, by in consequence of the action of his power that is at work within us, which power? The power that is at work within us, that power is by the person of the Holy Spirit. Do you agree? He says, is able to carry out his purpose and do superabundantly far above and over all that we dare to ask or think. And he says, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, and dreams. What he's saying, what I put in you by the person of the Holy Spirit is bigger than what you could ever pray for. That is why when I'm praying, I put a moment where I say, Father, now beyond what I can ever pray for, I open my mouth for the Spirit in me to give utterance. And when I do that, I start to mako potogo baladigazo. So as the spirit because the Bible says sometimes the spirit has to come the Bible says he helps us in our weaknesses so we do not know how to pray as we ought 
that the Bible says that he maketh intercession with groanings that cannot be uttered. God says beyond what you can pray for, if you think you can pray, I can do beyond what you can pray for. And it's inside your spirit. It's not in the air. It's inside your spirit. Because his kingdom has come in you. The realm of God is now inside your spirit. That's a man from above. You see things from up there. Hey, beyond your desires. You say, I have a desire. God says, I can do beyond. What do you desire? I can do beyond your desire. That I can do something and you say, Father, I didn't desire this. This is beyond what I desired. This is beyond what I dreamed. This is beyond what I hoped. God is lavish with you. That's the essence of the Holy Spirit. Some people only use the Holy Spirit only to pray, and they just end myopically. They're praying, but in their head they're saying, landlord, landlord, needs money, needs money, needs money. The Bible says you shall lend to nations and shall have no need to borrow. That's a man from above. Why do you lend to nations? Because you have more than their economies. <laughs> You have more than the economies. God wants to raise a generation that can lend. I don't know who wants to take that. You mean you can make one man lend a nation? Yes! With God, all things are possible. We come from up to judge the affairs of the world. We come from above we have set, we have literally set our mind from there and then we come on the earth to rule. Some of you work in Uganda as victims. No. The Bible says even though you're in this world, you are not of this world. So he tells this man, the trumpet is talking with him and he tells him, come up thither. Come and see things because spaces fold in higher dimensions. Come and see things that must be. Walk in Zion. Look at its citadels. Look at the streets so you can get a message for your generation. Come and I show you things that must be. I've had a blessed opportunity to see. To see. To see there are things that must be by revelation they are in the spirit of the father they have to be nothing can stop them no government can stop them no weapon can stop them no pen can stop them nothing there are things that must be for Nero had to be I feel sorry for some people who think we are guessing. We are not. Listen, I had a vision in 2013. It was exactly like that. Literally, God got me out of my bed and took me and showed me the things that must be. 
they has to be the scroll open before us i saw the four men one i knew the other two were strangers from another nation i knew i knew with every fiber of my being that this invitation was not usual i knew it was not usual the instructions we received there are some of which i'm not at liberty to express because it's not yet their time they were very clear that nobody can stop what god is doing on the earth unfortunately it did not come in the shape and size and age they expected it but it came praise the lord jesus christ hallelujah glory to god glory to god you see that's why i told you when you're elevated by god to a certain place you will hear differently there are oracles that cannot be heard if you're in lower frequencies if they come they can only confuse you because they are not for you to understand god needs to elevate you to see when a man is elevated like i've said earlier they don't need to see with a prophetic eye because they're not trying to guess through the future it's deeper than a prophetic eye it's an eye of knowledge you know there is knowledge beyond what can be prophesied or seen through the lenses of prophecy this shall become no it's like there is a place beyond hope it's faith you see some people say i hope to do this next year okay but there are people who are beyond hope they know that something must happen next year you see what i'm saying so there are things beyond this shall happen they get to this must you get my point they get to this must it must happen maybe it's prophecy but it's a it's a higher place it's it's bigger than many people think i wish i could explain to some of you because i need the language to express it it's it's more than this shall be it's more than next year this has or this shall be or we hope this will be or by the lenses of the spirit i see that this is going to come to pass because there are people who receive prophecies from true prophets and those prophecies have not come to pass because there were circumstances terms patterns that were not followed in the fulfillment of prophecy but there's a higher place that can't be stopped by anything it's in a place of must it's prophecy but it's above the usual prophecy I'm trying to find the language. It's above the usual this shall be but then let's keep hoping. You God told me this but I'm still waiting and I don't know whether it will happen or not and and you can say oh God I think it wasn't God because if he spoke it had to come to pass. There are many things God spoke. And some of them did not come to pass because man interjected. God was going to destroy Nineveh. It was his plan. You understand what I'm saying? But a prophet went there Jonah warned them and God changed his mind. One time he comes to Abraham and says I'm going to destroy this people. He says no no no. What if they are 50? What if they are 100? God changed his mind on a man's heart. He comes to Ezekiel and tells him put your house in order. I'm taking you tonight. This man turns to God. He speaks in the as a prophet reaches the middle of the courts. God tells him go back and tell that man I've added 15 years on him. But there are things 
that are beyond that. They must happen because they are tagged to the bigger picture of heaven. It's like when Isaiah prophesied the coming of Christ, there was no way Christ would not come. There was nothing any man on the earth could do to stop the coming of Christ. Some of you, God wants to take you to places where things must be. Your eyes have to see what must be. That's not two dimension. That's not three dimension. That's not even fourth dimension. That's up there. It's up there. So you align yourself to the purposes and will of God, convinced and certain. Because the heart of God is revealed when the Bible says that the testimony of Christ is a spirit of prophecy. It means if a man understands that testimony, if a man understands that testimony, they're in the place of prophecy, whether they're a prophet or not. Who has understood what I just said? Whether they're a prophet or not. When a man is full of this word, when a man has filled himself with the word of God to a certain place, trust me. Was it Isaac? The Bible says who spoke to his sons concerning things to come. Do you realize the Bible says in Hebrews, it was by faith. A man is about to go. Isaac calls Jacob and Esau. Eh? He puts them in front of him. You'd think he's going to download what heaven is saying and give them. But he's a man who is already dwelling there and he understands the judgments of heaven as they are designed in truth. The foundation of his faith then provokes his spirit to call Isaac and Esau and the Bible says he blessed them concerning things to come. And the Bible says by faith, not by prophecy. This was a man who knew God to a place where when he calls Jacob and he tells him, you shall eat of the dew of the land. Nothing can stop it. It's out of the liberties of the consecrated desires of the man of God because he's elevated in the understandings of heavenly judgment and thus he can speak by faith what becomes prophecy? So when the Bible says, if a man should speak, let him speak as the oracle of God. These are men who say it's going to be because they have the keys. They have the keys. And the Bible says, it must be what is already approved in heaven. And they think that heaven does something and then the man picks what heaven has done and then establishes it on the earth. You've gotten that wrong. This is what it means. There are things ancient. There are things ancient that are principle and law according to heavenly realities. And there are men who plug into these things and come back on the earth with the liberty of the spirit because the sacred language, Hebrew, as the mind of God is, it has no future tense. Understand me. Hebrew has no future tense. Heavenly language 
God spoke to man without speaking in future tense because he's the future. And to him, the future and the past are one and the same. Are you following what I'm saying? The future and the past. That is why Isaiah could not say he will be wounded for our transgressions. He will be bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace will be upon him. Isaiah said he was because as Revelation says, he's the Lamb of God which was slain from the beginning of the what? The world. Now, follow me. If this is the Lamb which is slain from the foundation of the world, and Isaiah says he was wounded as we saw him slain from the foundation of the world, but yet there is a human period and calendar, an age in time where this plays before men with their physical eyes. Follow me, follow me. It's playing, they're seeing Jesus crucified. But according to Isaiah, he was crucified. Now, if Isaiah has an account of one occasion of the Christ, how many accounts like that exist in heaven? Now, it's from those accounts that we speak of things that must be. Who has understood what I just said? It's from those accounts that we speak of things that must be. Jesus' coming and death and resurrection was one of the things that a prophet picked from the Spirit, but was not the only thing. None of the works of God from the beginning. That's why when Jesus comes on the earth, he says, for this cause came I into the world, and to this end was I born, to be a witness. In other words, everything was first finished. Then we began the story on the earth. No, that's what the Bible says. To this end was I born. And for this cause came I into the world that I should bear the truth. But I came to the end of a thing. Something was finished in heaven. And when it was finished in heaven, I came to do what was already an end in heaven. Are you following what I'm saying? But that's just one. Jesus. Some of you don't know that according to heaven, you had to be. I had to be born. Whether I was born in the wars of the 80s, which some of us were raised in those wars or what, regardless of what happens, there was a time when they were killing all the firstborns in the time of Moses. But Moses had to be. Whether it took putting him on a floating basket to be raised in the very fangs of the serpent that pursued his life. The point is Moses had to be. Some of you have come to that understanding. Some of you are trying to come to it. When you understand that thing, you realize you can't just die of a, of a cold in the air. You because you came with a certain end. <laughs> You came with a certain end. Go and do this. Heavenly time is different from earthly time. Earthly time is too slow. Are you following what I'm saying? Heavenly time is quickened by the spirit. Time and space are defined differently from the heavenly realm. There are things that must be. When a man plugs into those things, that's why we study the word. 
Because the word has the eyes. He helps you see the counsels of God, the judgments of God. The Bible says that you might not have offense on the day of Christ. Your love abounds in knowledge and judgment. That you might approve the things which are most excellent. That you might not have offense till the day of Christ. What does he mean? He means that there's a place where you're even allowed to judge what's excellent and what's not. Because you carry a bearing from the understanding that came through the knowledge of truth. That's the foundation of our faith. It goes beyond Jesus heals the sick, therefore I declare. No, it has to be deeper than that. Ours comes from a life. Paul called it the spirit of life in Christ. The law of the spirit of life. The spirit of life. This one cannot be anywhere and not give life. It cannot be anywhere and not give life. It's not possible. Wherever it is, it gives life. As long as that spirit still abides in a man, wherever they will be, they'll bring life. As long as the spirit remaineth on the earth, the Bible says, wherever a man carries it, it shall take life. That is regardless of what that community has said, what that nation has said, what that dispensation has said. Listen, the whole nation can reject God and a man with the Holy Spirit gets into that nation and revives it in one lifetime. Look at what Jong Cho did in Korea. From those little small fractions to 70% Christianity because one man chose to say yes to God. That was a revelation of a certain liberty. That when he stood and said, this is going to happen. He spoke as a key. Everything he spoke was opening something. He was just, just hoping that things will be. Not confess because God says confess. Because there are many people are confessing, but they're not getting the results of the confession. Because they still confess and see things from the realm of the earth. I don't know whether some of you understand. Jacob and Esau are called by a man who says by faith. Yet God had prophesied that Esau would serve Jacob. It was a prophecy. Are you following what I'm saying? It was a what? A prophecy. But when it came in the mouth of Jacob, it became a faith experience by faith Isaac so mouth of Isaac sorry by faith Isaac blessed so much as he's speaking over Esau in his mind yet speaking to Jacob in reality as prophecy had been given he's not speaking as prophecy would dictate in word. He's speaking as a man speaking under faith. Yet that faith is guided by divine purpose. See, some of us must understand what it means to yield, to be totally yielded to God. 
Because there's a place where even what we call faith is consumed by something deeper. Something so deep. Because this gets to a point where it's simply the word of God in a man performing divine purpose. And it's beyond what a man can be ready for. It's bigger than what a man can prepare himself for. There are things I find myself speaking sometimes. <laughs> and I know that it's not in the provisions of my faculties intellectually. It's not in my acuity. But then I've seen them come to pass. That sometimes as you continue to mature, you're going to discover there's a very thin line between faith and prophecy. If there is any. Huh. This one is for the mature. The one who's looking for a job, you might not understand what I'm teaching. It has to be what is already rebuked or bound in heaven. It's already in the reality of every law that heaven has established, every pattern that has been designed by heaven to be so. That at this point, if any man or woman connects to this kind of law and declares it on the earth, it must be. It must be. It must be. But you come up, you come up hither, you come up hither, you, you, you ascend, you go up and see things from there. And see things from there. Who are 50, 20, in Mukono, in a church of a gentleman called Robert Karole, and are telling these things to 10, 15 young men. I was certain that it was so. I knew it had to be. Because I connected to something older than language. Older than language. Some of the things we speak in the spirit, we might never have the full language for. Because language is limited in articulation. Paul says, I went up by the spirit and I saw things that were not lawful to be uttered. Things that the human language had no power to put in two words. But Paul saw them. So then how do you give or how do you pass a burden of things that the utterances of man carry no power to put in two words or is permitted to utter yet it's a burden placed on your life it's a vision of the spirit that means that the reality of its expression has to come from a language that human language cannot give it's the language of the spirit it's the language of the spirit your prayer life is not limited only to what men can speak or understand. That is why I feel sorry for a man who doesn't speak in tongues. I feel sorry for a man who doesn't understand the tongues of angels. When Paul says, oh, I speak in the tongues of men and angels, you don't know how to command heavenly beings to come to your rescue. How do you live? How do you live? There are names that human language has no names for. In Revelation 2.17, he says, I shall give you a name which is only known to you and the one that giveth it. Because it carries no language, no human language. But he says, when I call that name and a man knows how to respond to it, he says, I shall give to him of the hidden manner. 
things that are inaccessible, things that not everybody can come in contact with. I'll give you things you can't read in a book, you can't find on a CD, you can't find on... They're yours. Because in demystifying them, they name your purpose and your relationship with God. Your relationship with God. You can give as the Spirit qualifies and gives you utterance. But there are things we might never be able to utter. That's why Paul says, these things in a figure we impart. There are things that I might never be able to tell somebody or a man of God might never be able to tell you, but he can say, Father, give it to that person. And that person receives it. You see? Even when I stretch my hand. You see, that person receives it not because they have understood the instruction from the language that men can understand, but because they connect to something beyond that language, yet it's an instruction that one day will work in the life of that person and start to cause them. See, when he says, I shall put my spirit in you and I will cause you to walk in my statutes, you find yourself walking in the dictates of the spirit. That person tuned and aligned that way, when he speaks things, they have to be because it's not him. Remember the prophet of old, the Bible tells him when the spirit comes upon you, speak, speak. The moment the spirit of the Lord shall come upon you, he says you shall prophesy and you shall be turned into another man. This was not a prophet, but this was a man whom God gave a sample of this heavenly experience. This kind of experience is a continuous life when you understand what it means to live above. Paul says in that understanding, I know nothing of myself. He says, I know nothing of myself. It's a small thing for me to judge myself because I know nothing of myself. I know nothing by myself. And not in that that I'm justified but it's because he that judges me is the Lord. This man says, I'm dead, yet I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life that I now live, this, this is not a man who is alive. It's not a man who is alive. So that's not a man functioning in the office of a prophet. It's higher than that. It's beyond just the gift of prophecy. It's higher than that. It's way higher than that. He says, I carry the full counsel. Do you know what authority it takes for a man to say, I carry the full counsel of God. And because I carry the full counsel of God, all men's blood I'm accounted of. This is Paul speaking. He says, I'm accountable of no man's blood. For I've revealed the full counsel, the whole counsel. How can a man claim to carry the whole counsel? How can he have the confidence to say, no foundation can be laid other than this. You can go higher, but you'll never dig deeper than I've gone. I've gone there. I know how deep it goes. You will never go deeper than Paul. You can never. Because he has gone as deep as they can go. How, from where does he get that judgment? To say, I've gone as deeper than any man can go. This was the secret of God he had with him. The secret God had with him. Are you following what I'm saying? When this person sings that, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Huh? Look full, have a vision of him. And the things of the earth grow strangely dim. The earth is a very inferior place. Yet that's where men dream from and create from and evolve from and mutate from and are deceived to think that that's all. That's all there is. That's all there is. 
Some people have no understanding or experience of what heaven is. Some have tested it. Some have seen a few things. I can't say I've seen everything, but I've seen enough to understand how fragile, how small earth is. It's so limited. So limited. Yet there are people who are killing for it. They are ready to die for things earth can give. Because they are myopic. They don't see things from above. Can I tell you how many pastors, I wish I would tell them, leave, stop seeing from here, see from up here. There are 8 billion people on the earth, 2.7 billion Christians, 1 billion is Roman Catholic, the Pentecostals are not more than 600 million and you're already fighting each other. How myopic, how myopic, how short-sighted people can be. You're burning your light and, 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 and your midnight oil, writing an article against a sister and a brother. How myopic can you be? There are 8 billion people to reach. 8 billion. Go on Google and Google Christians in Somalia. They have said 0%. And they are Christians in Somalia, they are. But on the internet, Somalia is 0%. You know why? Because the spirit there can't even recognize anything, anybody who is Christian in that nation. Go to China and see how much power is there. Billion people. No, almost 99.9999999% don't even know anything about Jesus Christ. Go to India. Billion people. Go to Israel itself and see the percentage of Christianity. I think it's not even more than what? 1.9% or something? Are you following what I'm saying? Not more than 1.9%, I think. We're still in this little small, we see things this. Some of you, one day you'll understand how small your jobs are. How small your little business is. How small your position is, however big you think you are. Then you'll come to the real light to understand that a man can only edify himself as he's elevated. The earth only grows smaller when you go higher. You're 30,000 feet in the sky and you can't see the property that a man is going to court for tomorrow morning because it's a 50 by 100 plot and he's ready to kill somebody over it. You get on a flight and you can't even see that plot. You can't see that plot. So some things will start to grow strangely dim to decimation and disappearance totally. Not because they don't exist on the earth, but you're not where they see them from. We've not yet preached the gospel as we ought. We have not yet started. And that's why I was telling Fanero, we have not yet started. When we start, the world will know. <laughs> Somebody shout amen. Shout glory to God. There are things men see when they return under the sun. In other words, you're living, you're dwelling. It has to be above. He says you're seated in Christ far above all principality and power. Let me tell you, when you live there, faith becomes another thing. You stop even thinking 
about it from the books. It's way bigger than that. Even I am still trying to understand this thing. It's big. It's big. Let there be light. And nothing. And he says, this is the light that lights every man that cometh in this world. And when that light shines in darkness, he said, darkness comprehended it not. Past tense. Past tense. Darkness comprehended it not. In other words, the light in you judged darkness long ago that any You can't read that portion of scripture and go for a deliverance service. You can't. The Bible says light shined in darkness and darkness comprehended it not. Past tense. Once you understand that no demon, no demon, no demon, it doesn't matter where it comes from or who sent it, no witchcraft can touch you. Because darkness comprehended it not. Yet the Bible says that light is in us through the glorious gospel. Bondage is a past tense. Sickness is a past tense. Struggle and strife are a past tense. We came in this world to overcome, overtake, occupy, demonstrate to the world that we believe in a God who said it is finished. Darkness never comprehended us. It won't comprehend you next week. It won't comprehend you next year. So even if things come, they find you in a certain place because you hear right. Let me tell you. I'm going to repeat this. What God has started in the earth, not only through Fanero, by the way, what God has started in the earth, nothing can stop it. Nothing can stop it. Nothing can stop it. Every Thursday, we have to hold up the rain. Every Thursday. In a tropical country, we every Thursday, we hold up the rain because it's a harvest. Nothing can stop it. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Woo! The Bible says the first man is of the earth, earthy, and the second man is the Lord from above, is the Lord from heaven. And the Bible says, of the fullness of that man, you have received your heavenly being. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Open your mouth and speak to Jesus. Speak to Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his 
wonderful face and the things of the earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace if you're there and you say i want to give my life to jesus you're going to repeat these words after me just say this word. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you because you died for my sins and you were raised for my glory. Today, I receive you as Lord and Savior of my life, my mediator in relation with God. I know you will change and transform my life to the end of time. Amen. This sermon has been brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number plus 256-200-999400 or email us at info at You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Follow us on our social media platforms on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at Fenero Ministries International. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowship at the Uma Upper Gardens from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. and for our Sunday services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. at the Uma Multipurpose Hall. Fenero, make manifest.